Hey, it's Brad. Uh, this is the second part of a two-parter, which is why it starts kind of out of nowhere. So sorry for that. I uh, hope you enjoy it regardless. Uh, okay, bye. One, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> have to. Every time I leave the plane, I have to wheel this, like, <laughs> like lock up the stairs that go up to my door. <laughs> I have to like you know do all the maintenance on my own pool. Uh, yeah. so I can't let anyone in here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more dumb proof. They go into the Kalamazoo. This is kind oh, of like the quintessential. I find this very charming, personally. The whole uh, Kalamazoo lifestyle. Yeah, because this this is Elvis escaping fame for real and just becoming like a regular dude. Yep. Don't like, mind me. Yep. Just Mister Yelserp. Let me go about my business. Right. I purchased the hotel. That I am now the proprietor of, and yeah. I just want to live my life. Leave me alone. Yeah. Kalamazoonians not only see what is obviously Elvis, and he's seen around town taking karate classes at the Y. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a downscale there, I would say. But then also hanging out at a B. Dalton's, a Wendy's, and a Burger King. Yeah. Which is ouch. Like, why, uh, you know, to mention every fast food restaurant <laughs> I go to, probably. <laughs> they make a point. This makes me laugh so hard. They make a point that he's wearing pressed jeans (laughs) i mean hey we talked about this last time like elvis and denim seems like a no-go but then so i buy it then because it is such a no-go like he really wants to change his look up right oh wow so i am gonna wear the jeans that you never saw me in except on the silver screen it's a good point and the fact that he he's pressing them does suggest a guy who doesn't ever wear jeans know really what jeans are about right because that's like or he's adding his his signature style like you can't just wear jeans like a regular schmuck he wants to look super fly i see it more like when i think of my dad who was born in the early 40s you know, the very rare occasions he would wear jeans. Very rare. looked very odd on him. Uh-huh. He would be the kind of guy who would have his jeans pressed. Just not quite getting the vibe, the jean vibe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I love that. Him hanging out at a Burger King in pressed jeans. Well, and also the sightings mentioned seeing Lisa Marie and Priscilla also there. Like, I guess he's just taking them to the mall to do some shopping while yeah. he's in hiding. Buying jewelry and stuff. Yeah. You get the impression he's just walking around in his pressed jeans. Yeah. and But it sounds like no one's interacting with him. Everyone's just looking at him from across the street is the feeling like, yeah. there he goes, there he goes. Yeah, yeah. But no one's actually like saying like, hey, are you, hey, Mr. Yelser. You looking up, well, anybody ever tell you you look like Elvis? Yeah, what? <laughs> get away yeah. from me. But in, in addition to his pressed jeans, I also see him in a bomber jacket and a cowboy hat and mirror <laughs> and mirrored sunglasses. That's that, that's what I, that's that, pretty cool. That I see that guy walking around in the the mall in Kalamazoo. Yeah, one of those cowboy hats where it's like silver buckles on the uh, crown part. Yep. You want to go into the next bit of dumb proof? There's a couple instances now, as we mentioned earlier, like Elvis apparently after he faked his death spent a lot of time just randomly calling people uh, that he doesn't know and people from his past uh, and speaking cryptically was kind of his bag. <laughs> that's why he had to fake his death. He needed more time to call random people and. Speak in uh, riddles and to give subtle hints about him faking his death. He really sounds like an alcoholic. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's what drunks do. Like late night. One of these women is Lucy de Barbin, who, interestingly enough, she is uh, most well known for claiming to have had an illegitimate child with Elvis, which she wrote about in a book called, I believe it's called, Are You Lonesome Tonight? Uh, so she actually had this daughter called Desiree. So anyway, Lucy comes forward and says, like, she didn't get a call from Elvis. She instead, I think shortly after he allegedly passed, she received a single long stem rose. So, so beautiful. Yeah. So Elvis. So, so classy. Yes. So classy. <laughs> 
uh, with a little note attached to it saying, I'm sure like, I love you forever. You're the only one. But signed. L. Lancelot. L. Lancelot, <laughs> which is Elvis's pet nickname when he was with her, allegedly. So compelling proof. Yeah. But I just love that name, though. It's like it almost feels like, you know, when you call somebody Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's a reference to how often he porked her. Oh, man. Lance a lot. Yeah. <laughs> L. Elvis. Yeah. Lance a lot. Yeah. Man. She's probably like, you're my knight in shiny armor. He said, yeah, I'll lance a lot. He said, pork you a lot. <laughs> on these towels in my back seat. <laughs> yeah. And Desiree doesn't really look anything like Elvis, which doesn't mean anything necessarily. But you have to consider the fact that Lisa Marie is squeezed straight out of the Elvis tube. Yeah. She's like the leather face with Elvis's face. Like, <laughs> it just got plopped right on her. Yeah. So clearly Elvis had some convincing semen. Like it is getting in there and it is negotiating with the egg. It's like, ah, I got a pretty strong idea what yeah. this kid should look like, you know? But who knows? Maybe uh, Lucy de Barbin also had feisty eggs. So it's not clear. It's not proof. The proof is that Elvis, after stuffing a baby in this chick and then ignoring her for like <laughs> almost 30 years, never acknowledging the daughter. Yeah. Then shortly after he fakes his death he sends a long stem rose to this woman yeah or her his first contact with her in 30 years God. Like, no i guess 20 years sorry yeah 20 years yeah so sound sound proof remember me <laughs> i'm still here baby i'm still here to ignore you're still you. never going to get it again yeah you think i'm dead that's why i not hearing from me but no i'm just ignoring you <laughs> Tell Desiree, just not acknowledging you. Yeah, he wouldn't even know her name, though. <laughs> yeah. Tell what's her name. Daddy yeah. says hi. Tell Driplins. <laughs> <laughs> she goes right back into uh, dumb evidence, you know, claiming like on his last tour. At the end of the tour, he said goodbye to the audience. Actually said adios. Yeah. Which he had never done before. Right. Which I don't know what that means. He never said bye and thank you i don't know yeah maybe not he just ran off stage and, <laughs> yeah. but so he said i'm done <laughs> <laughs> he says bye and that's supposed to be meaningful uh earlier in the tour he told the audience i am and i was which i don't know what that could possibly be meant to mean but but why would like why would anything mean anything i just like if you're gonna fake your own death, I mean, and the point is to like get away. Are you dropping clues all over <laughs> like this? Obsessive with dropping clues. Yeah, I mean, and these aren't just like, hey man, I'm thinking about faking my own death. It's like you'd have to sit down and like really think this stuff out. I think. Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> it seems to make sense. Yeah, I don't think his checklist was number one, weave an elaborate tapestry of clues. Yeah. <laughs> number two, fake death. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah uh, well it, as part of that too like, she mentions Wayne New Newton saying that like all the set lists were engineered to say goodbye as well yeah it's kind of unavoidable I mean all his 70 songs so many of those are about really about losing Priscilla if you look at the lyrics there's so many about like infidelity and losing your girl and yeah. screwing up and regretting and all that mm -hmm. like they all have that that downbeat feel, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it seems more like, I mean, just drugged out Elvis, frankly. I mean, we've all heard having fun with Elvis on stage. So him being <laughs> in the middle of that tour being like, I am and I was. Yeah. 
you ain't nothing but. <laughs> oh, yeah. And if you want more information on having fun with Elvis on stage, I'd recommend the uh, Suspicious Minds episode. They they tackle that in one yeah. of those episodes. So, yeah. Yeah. They do a good job. So your theory with the Wayne Newton is that anything retroactively, if you're looking for a pattern that will lead to yeah, this, someone dying or faking their death, like you'll find it. Yeah. But let's say that you you are going to fake your death. Okay. And you you do want to like leave a trace to the right people. Is there anything that you would do? Oh. Oh, to purposely leave clues. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for clues that I'm going to die or I'm letting people know I'm going to die, it's really, it's just like even looking very broadly at the last 20 years of my life, just seeing how I live. <laughs> just being yeah. like, I don't know, he doesn't talk to anyone. He stays home all the time. But yeah, if I were to leave, like if I was actually going to salt clues for you. Yeah. Well, first yeah. I would come up with a pet name for you or for me into reference to you. Okay. So like, uh, well, Tucker Joshua. Yeah. I would start insisting, like, call me Tucker. Right. Call me Josh. Call me yeah. Tuck Josh. <laughs> right? TJ. Yeah. Well, I was really close to them, so I called him Tuck Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be big. So then I could send you something. Tuck John. <laughs> right. That would be my main thing, I think, with you. And maybe I would take like, because I want to send you something significant. So maybe like I would take a Polaroid of my body mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at some point under the guise of being like, Pat, can you look at this? Like, I can't see my back. Yeah. But I think I can feel a mole there. So I took a photo. <laughs> can you check it out? Yeah. That would be it. Or I'd just be like, can you look at my back? There's a weird thing there. And yeah. You inspect my back. You'd be like, it's not cancer. So maybe it is. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, you would get about a week after I faked my death, after undoubtedly you and your whole family cried and cried. Yeah, and yeah. Just, it, well, was, and uh, yeah, I would send you a note. You'd either be a photo of the mole or the mole itself. Uh. <laughs> you know, the envelope and a little mole fell out. And then there'd be a card saying, love, Tuck Joshua. Oh, nice. And you would just have to go, oh, I guess he never wants to talk to me again. He's... <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. See, for, for me, it would involve getting a lot of tattoos, just sleeves and just like covered in tattoos. Yeah. And I'd there'd be a lot of like photos of me with like my fingers in odd, <laughs> odd positions, like pointing at a tattoo. The last one being like, I faked my death like, <laughs> on my forearm and just me. <laughs> I'm going to fake my death. That would be pretty compelling. Yeah. Uh yeah, she goes into, again, a theory on what he was doing uh, and why he had to fake his death was that, you know, he became an undercover agent for the Treasury Department. And, you know, that stems from his meeting with Nixon and getting the badge and all this. And, you know, as we talked earlier, he got the he gave himself the uh, alias John Burroughs, mm -hmm. which then maybe Treasury Department gave him a passport and all this stuff. Uh, and so Gail makes the case that he was fairly obsessed with the police, which I think is I think it's pretty well documented pretty that he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But she mentions him uh, showing up at a funeral in police captain's uniform. Nice. Stolen valor. I'm not sure about that, Elvis. Uh, and then even better that, and I think I've heard this elsewhere, that he would go on drug busts with cops. And this is the quote. One time he disguised himself in a padded jumpsuit while wearing a ski mask. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's a drug bust. So you're probably on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Smokey pulls up. They got the cherries burning. Yeah. They f jump out. They pin your fucking face to the ground. And then just out of one eye, you can kind of see this guy in a padded jumpsuit. Just like <laughs> super into it, too. <laughs> You're like jumping around and pointing like, get him. Yeah. He's got his gun. He's got two guns in his hands. He's wearing a ski mask. And it's like, and you must be like, is that Elvis? Like, why is he wearing an American Eagle jumpsuit? Like, what's happening? 
I'm sure he's got like six badges on, like multiple oh, badges. Yeah. Maybe he's, in addition to carrying guns, he's got that like bejeweled flashlight. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And probably a ski mask and then like a admiral's help, ha- hat on, it, <laughs> yeah. on the ski mask. Yeah. Like that would be so bizarre. Oh, man. There are all these musings that in another book might be interesting, but here they're just, I don't know, they just kind of like numb your mind. Like, <laughs> like this idea that, that maybe Vernon isn't, isn't Elvis's real dad. He's sort of the Joseph figure to Elvis's Jesus, yeah. Gladys and Mary. Yeah. The basis of this idea that Vernon wasn't really his father is partially that Vernon himself recounts that on, oh, this was, we, I'm glad we talked about this because uh, when Elvis was born, Vernon went into the backyard and was, quote, astonished to see the heavens ringed around with a blue light. And Elvis, of course, thinks there's significance to this because his favorite color is blue and attributed to it a supernatural significance. But what's interesting is that they talk about Vernon going to the backyard at the birth, uh-huh. which seemingly answers our question from last time. Where were the kids born? Oh, right. So if he's in the backyard, apparently it's either his house or... Whatever, the midwife's house. Yeah, not a hospital. You don't think of hospitals as having backyards. I mean, I guess technically they do, but maybe not. Which then would open up our question earlier of like, well, who had to deal with that baby? Who had to deal with Jesse's baby corpse? Yeah. And if it was just Vernon, had to go drive it out into the woods. But also would make sense in my theory of why he didn't know where Jesse was buried. Yeah. Because literally they're like, now make sure you give him a good burial. (laughs) He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he drives off and yeah. maybe slowed down the car. Definitely <laughs> yeah. rolled down the window and just hucked it into the woods. God. And then went and got a drink. Yeah, and probably for free. Like, I just lost a baby. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just did the hardest thing I ever did. Yeah. You know? Can I have a drink? <laughs> uh, okay, so page 148, we get into, this is a new wrinkle in the Elvis story, uh, which I don't believe I've ever heard before, and that is that much as... Elvis was a master of drugs and of body control and body temperature. Uh, the colonel was a master hypnotist. Her quote is, Another theory involves the colonel and his prowess as a hypnotist. Stories abound of how the colonel could make grown men get down on all fours and act like cats and dogs through the power of hypnotism. Many testify to the amazing ability of the colonel to employ mind control. There are times when Elvis appeared passive and in a zombie-like condition at meetings. Some swear Elvis was hypnotized. Sunny and Red West recall that the colonel could do mass hypnosis. I have no doubt that the colonel was a very persuasive dude, but I don't see him as a hypnotist. Did he have people in his sway because he had, was a master of mind control? Or did he just have like a few reels of like nudie films? <laughs> <laughs> or just an ability to make people out of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he had the ability to keep Elvis in the public eye during his two years in the Army. Right. So much so that when Elvis got out, he already had records to be recorded, mm-hmm. movies to be shot. He was. They were releasing like a steady string of singles while he was in the Army, weren't they? But, yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, it was all well-engineered. He had something going for him in addition to the uh, hypnotism. Honestly, this description of Elvis, it sounds like MK Ultra. Mm. Which is interesting. MK Ultra was a, I mean, it's a verified, I don't know, is that CIA, like government? Project, yeah. Yeah, basically like Manchurian candidating people, like getting brain control so you could kind of use people as robots who would then do your bidding, allegedly, like yeah. go Just assassinate like involved and stuff, right? 
Yeah, I think that was part of it. Turning people into hypno agents, which really, you know, if you look at the 70s, if Elvis was a part of this NK Ultra, that's right in the wheelhouse because that's right when all the serial killers were popping off. Mm. And there are theories that the serial killers were victims of MK Ultra, you know, which is given some credence that so many were in like such a localized area, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, parts of California in the same period of time. And all of a sudden there's just this rash of like men going crazy and just killing people. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. And you wonder like, well, so if the colonel was maybe part of that program, was Elvis like, at what point they turn Elvis into this hypno agent? Was it later on? When he they, went under the treasury, you know, became a agent for the treasury. Is that when they got to him? Or did they plant the seed during his time in the army? I mean, who's to say he was being uh, hypnotized for the good of the country? I mean, think about if the colonel, who we know is a foreigner, uh, is working for some foreign agents like the commies. I mean, what a good cultural attack to create someone like Elvis to make all the teens instead of being good, upstanding kids and trying to get good jobs and forwarding America. I mean, look at what rock and roll led to as a cultural force. You know, a lot of dissent and, you know, drug use and all this and premarital sex. So maybe from the very beginning, he was an agent of, you know, evil powers. Yeah. What do you think of that? I mean, you just blew my mind. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Because, wow, if that's the case, talk about a long game, right? And if, if you can tie it from... Elvis to where we are now. Whoa. But they say like the Chinese have, are working off like a 500 year plan. So I guess it's not unheard of. No. Spooky. It'd be more fun if it was just like programming Elvis to like assassinate famous political figures, stuff like that. Yeah. But if it's just to like, just like plant the rot that brings us all down. Yeah. And less exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe he wasn't assassinating, but if you think about like J. Edgar Hoover and his obsession with gossip and getting leverage on people, Mm -hmm. then you take Elvis and you groom him and you send him out there and he's banging all these chicks. I mean, he's getting all the inside scoop on everything. Yeah. So he could be feeding that back to, you know, so he might be like robotically banging Natalie Wood, like just under (laughs) it. A hypnotic spell. Yeah. But then getting, like, finding out that James Dean's gay and feeding that up. And to that him. makes I sense think. then in the Earl Greenwood book. Like, he's under a spell in the car, just like banging in the, in the limo, banging Natalie Wood. And then when he gets back home, he's like, they've like flipped the switch off or whatever. Yeah. And she, she comes in and is like, hey, let's do it some more. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? Get out of here. He's like, ew, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like a malfunctioning robot, really. Yeah. Curious. But really, the whole thing, this kind of. Thinking about the Colonel more, yes, if he was a master hypnotist, I believe he could have got himself a passport. Yeah. He could have been like, I am a citizen or something, right? <laughs> right. I mean, if he could do mass hypnosis. Well, and I, I feel like you're a, a middle-aged white dude who's making a lot of money. Well, here, here you go, citizen. I don't feel like he'd really have to be too secretive about his past, or at least that part of it. I think I read something where, like, maybe he fled Europe after, like, bludgeoning a woman to death. Probably, <laughs> probably have to keep that under wraps. But um, just the fact that he, like, I don't know, jumped ship and, like, made it to shore in the U.S., like, eh. Yeah, I 100% agree that a person in his position, representing the biggest entertainer on the planet, yeah, could have gotten some kind of honorary citizenship. Right. So the idea that that was what held him back from doing international touring and stuff, I just don't buy. Mm. Now, it could be that he was too scared to even ask or yeah. even to bring up. Yeah. And certainly, if you're talking that he, you know, if he's out bludgeoning women, which I haven't really heard. 
So I heard that in a description of Alana Nash's book about Colonel Park, but that's all as far as I've gone in researching that. That's so, interesting. And it may just be rumored that that happened. So I mean, that would actually give then credence to him not not even trying to get mm-hmm. citizenship. He doesn't want to get bring it up at all. Yeah. That would make sense. I mean, cripes. That's interesting. Maybe we should read that. But yeah, I mean, Occam's Razor is they didn't tour internationally because like, why bother? Right. Like, you can play as many shows, as big a place as you need to play. You, you're playing so many shows already that you're killing Elvis. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. He's literally dying Yeah. From. It's like, why do you need to travel another couple thousands of miles? Yeah. There's no need to do any more work than necessary. Yeah. But back to the MK Ultra thing. Yes. Like, so he's from the Netherlands, right? Yep. Occupied by the Nazis in World War II. So is there a Colonel Parker mm. Nazi connection? Especially as it relates to like mind control experiments and stuff like that. There's something to that, just in that I know Hitler had such a preoccupation with the degenerate art and like a culture eroding uh-huh. spirits and okay. things like this. So I could see that that's a pretty short walk from that idea of like the dangers of culture yeah. to creating a dangerous cultural force with, within your enemy. Right? Yeah. Oh, hmm. We're through the looking glass. <laughs> <laughs> She also states on page 151, not only is it well recognized that he's, you know, born planner, it's also, quote, well documented that Elvis was psychic. I mean, I don't know that it's well documented, but uh, I feel like I've read that a bunch. But okay, like for the sake of argument, I'll buy that Elvis was psychic. (laughs) (laughs) Elvis and Gail are both psychic, magical powers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's well documented that Elvis thought he might have been psychic. Yeah. I don't think he really, really wanted to be psychic. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's well documented that he had no shame in trying to prove his psychicness to people. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, that happened a lot. Oh, yeah. A lot of parties, people were sitting on these long ass couches. 15-foot couch in the music room while Elvis held his fingers to his temple yeah. and tried to make like a pencil spin or something. Right, right. And tried to make a girl's skirt well, go up. I, I hate, I'm sorry to like keep referencing uh, what happened every time. No. But in addition to like him moving clouds with his mind, there's, a, there's an episode in that book where he, I think it's late at night, I don't know. Anyway, he goes to a hospital and believes that he has the power to heal people. So he's just like going around laying hands on people, trying to heal them at the hospital. <laughs> Was he wearing a ski mask? I don't know. He may have been wearing a turban. (laughs) In one of those stories, he's definitely wearing a turban. I'm sure he was welcomed with open arms at the hospital, but I also like to think there was a doctor like trying to chase him out of there, like, hey, (laughs) taking food out of my kid's mouth. (laughs) Can you imagine if you were in the hospital now and some like celebrity (laughs) just like barged through the door? Yeah, and just started touching you. Where does it hurt, man? <laughs> like Vin Diesel starts yeah. trying to heal you. Yeah. He put his hands on your chest. <laughs> like, Get out of here. Like, Ugh. You know, his fingers go under your shirt. You're just like, oh, my God. So she also gets into more terrible proof. She gets into some ghostly sightings. Well, really, it's not a ghost because it's allegedly really Elvis. But uh, the one it depends on whether you believe he's alive or not, whether it's a ghost story, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's using it to prove he's alive, but it curiously takes the most common form of all truck driver ghost lore, which is like basically Ed and Phantom 309. Yeah. Which is driving a long haul trucker in the middle of the night. Uh, I don't usually pick up hitchhikers, but <laughs> something about this feller just called out to me. So right. I picked him up and I couldn't. I said, stranger, where are you going? <laughs> 
and I couldn't quite see his face. And he mumbled something, and in this case, he talked a lot about Cadillacs. <laughs> and then I dropped him off, and I said, Stranger, I never even told you my name. I'm Dale. And he turned to me and looked me dead in the eye and said, Sir, I'm Yussel. <laughs> Similar <laughs> Yussel. <laughs> or he said, I'm Elvis Presley. <laughs> you know? But, but keep it under your hat. Yeah, don't tell. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Elvis. Yeah, so that's a proof to her. They go. This is the first mention of Elvis's 1975 Supercycle Stallion VW trike. So the story that it comes up is Elvis was pulling up in the trike one day, and there's some rando gathered at the gate, as there always was. And Elvis stopped, and on the tape deck on the trike played a song, and the guy thought it was Elvis, and he goes, that ain't me, man. But he sure is good, ain't he? Yeah. And the idea being that, oh, that was Jimmy Ellis, and this proves... A.K.A. Orion. Yeah. This proves that Elvis was aware of Jimmy Ellis before he died. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, naturally he would use him to set up his fake death. The picture painted in in my head of this story is just great. Just like some guy, some random guy on the Graceland property. And Elvis is just like tearing around in this track and like taking it over jumps and shit. (laughs) And like, just like fucking skids out in front of him. It's like... (laughs) Take a listen to this, man. And he ha- he doesn't even turn the trike off. It's just like... Bruh, 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 bruh. So you can barely hear it. And he's like playing this song. And, and Elvis is yelling over the, the trike like, sounds pretty good, huh? And the guy... Pretty good, man, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the guy's just like can't hear a thing. He's like, uh-huh. And then... Uh, <laughs> It ain't me. And then he just like rips off again. <laughs> I bet you think that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Dust and mud all in the kid's face. Yeah. And yeah. then immediately going over a jump where he just like is just barely <laughs> holding on, but like clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So now it's back to 87. Uh, another album comes out called Down in Mississippi by a singer who sounds just like Elvis. Yeah. But this guy's name is Steve Silver, which is... Well, that sounds kind of similar to Sivla. <laughs> Silver. Yeah. Sivla. Same guy. Well, it's true. Silver, all the words in Elvis, or all the letters in Elvis are in silver, right? Mm-hmm. And I got to say, it is compelling because, like, what would be a fake name Elvis would come up with for himself if we were playing that game mm-hmm. and you came up with Steve Silver? Yeah. I'd be like, Pat, you are a genius. Yeah. You are confirming my <laughs> earlier suspicions. Like, that is so perfect. Did you happen to listen to this tune? I don't think I did. So I looked it up on YouTube. It doesn't sound to me like Elvis. And the song itself is pretty ridiculous. It's like a so on the nose, like, recounting of Elvis's life. It's definitely not as good as Look Me Up and Lay It On Me. Yeah, let's hear a little bit. Okay. I remember down in Mississippi. A big cotton in the sun. And I'd sing with the black folks when the day was done. And I dreamed even then that the world would be my state. And someday my shoes would shake loose the Mississippi clay. And we moved on up to Memphis, just trying to survive. I cut a record for my mama, and almost overnight, the colonel signed me up 
I was living out my dream. My mama was so proud when you called me the king. Okay. Oh my god, the idea. Oh my god, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, Holy shit. Well, and like. Oh. Gail makes a big deal with, about that song. Yeah. There being a, like a voice in the background. Yep. So there are two voices there. Yeah. Gail obviously doesn't understand anything about <laughs> <laughs> modern sound recording. Multi-tracking. Yeah. Multi-tracking. Clearly it's the same guy. That is so fucking funny. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she, I mean, she goes through a whole thing. She hears this and she buys a bunch of copies. Yeah. And she, I love how she makes note of how like, reasonably priced they were or how cheap they were yeah they're <laughs> they're very inexpensive she thinks that means uh that obviously they weren't made for money yeah like you know is elvis wouldn't need any money mm-hmm. god the fact that she thinks that's that's elvis's plan like but <laughs> 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 what are you gonna say elvis well i've been thinking <laughs> write what you know and she's like see see <laughs> So then, okay, so it's page 179 of like 205 pages, and she gets to the tape, finally. In one word, how would you describe this tape? Underwhelming. That's very generous. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. It's as bad as the rest of the book. So this tape, uh, she was, she makes a big point. She was given this tape in front of several witnesses, mm-hmm. as if somehow they're being witnesses to someone passing her tape. It has any bearing on anything. Yeah. And it's a tape that someone who claims to have been, I guess, married to someone close to Elvis, has made since Elvis allegedly passed. So it's just Elvis over the course of a couple of different phone calls, doing, as we've established, what Elvis likes to do with his fake death time, which is just call people and just ramble like yep. your alcoholic friend. Right. Right. So that's what this tape is. Let's hear a little bit. Well, what's funny is that she got it from the source. So there's it's not like it's the 12th version. And that sound, all that distortion is not what you hear when you dub a dub a dub a dub a dub of a tape. Mm-hmm. That's obviously like he's talking and then there's this weird sound as if they're just right next to like a giant ice Air conditioner or something. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And if you listen to the quality <laughs> of that, he doesn't sound like he's on a phone. No. He sounds like he's in the room and yeah. it's just this awful sound. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That was him talking about like he met a girl and he's with a girl and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he he doesn't have anything valuable to say. It's like a half hour of that. So does that sound like Elvis to you? No, it sounds like somebody doing an Elvis impression. Yeah. And just like taking it to the like cartoonish max. Like there are so many like, ah, like, like there's a lot of stammering. Yeah. Which it's just like, yeah, it's a caricature. Yeah. And like the they play him like he's... He has like a mental disorder or something. He's like, <laughs> he has some like head injury. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I like haven't so- uh, taken a sleeping pill <laughs> in uh, over three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so obviously not Elvis. Again, it throws Gail into ill repute. I mean, you can't put any faith in this woman you know that's the thing the whole crux of this book is this stinking tape and it's worthless 
We don't get to it until page 180. And then we get like maybe 15 pages devoted to it. Most of which is the transcript of the tape yeah. itself. <laughs> yeah, it's garbage. It's crap. The more we talk about, it, the more upset I am about this book. <laughs> and I actually feel like I should apologize because I really pressed for us to read this. And I was thinking, you know, when we were determining our list of books to read for mm-hmm. the podcast, I was like, well, that'll be great. And we should do it right off the bat because it's going to have this audio component. And we yeah. can really do like fancy production. Mm-hmm. which was that fancy production is me holding my phone up to the microphone. Yeah. So it turns out I'm a little lazier than I thought. But I mean, I think it's important to, for us to consider books like this because like, this is a taste I think of most of what's out there when it comes to like literature on yeah. us. Like there's so much garbage. So, I mean, it's not all going to be like three ways and like the tales of Elvis, what happened? Like there's a lot of this shit. Yeah. Then there's another note. David Stanley, one of Dee's sons, so Elvis' stepbrother. This is great. Like, his story is that he was leaving Graceland a couple days before the 16th when Elvis suddenly burst into tears, grabbed him, and held him, saying how much he loved him. And Elvis said he would never see him again, at least not on this plane. And they were in Graceland. They weren't on the Lisa Marie. They weren't on a plane. (laughs) He's talking about spiritual plane. Yes. And I can only imagine if we heard the whole story that David retells. He probably also says, also ignore the will. (laughs) Right? Don't pay any heed to that shit. I want you to have at least the horses. Yeah. Yeah. And the trike. (laughs) The trike. Well, maybe not the trike. So this is another thing that Gail just takes as further proof, takes it as face value. But she does, you know, she's intellectually honest enough to forward that this might not be proof that he faked his death it could also be read as just another instance of elvis's psychic powers and thank you lord that's the end of this stupid book that is it (laughs) so what do you think like i think i've foreshadowed my take i mean to believe gail to believe her story you are 100 percent required to believe that she is profoundly psychic Mm mm-hmm that she just intuited the fact that Elvis loved peanut butter and banana sandwiches yeah. with mayo on them. She, yeah. She got too close to the truth with her psychic whatever. Her eerie powers. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't hurt to believe that Elvis has total mind control over his body. He's also psychic. He had a plan to fake his death and then come back a year later right. as a masked he, singer. He has a way, like he's a like a master um, like pharmacist. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt to think that the colonel is also a master of hypnotism. Yeah. So that's basically, that's the foundation upon which her thesis lies. Um, I'm not inclined to believe it. No. I think there is probably a compelling case to be made for Elvis faking his death, but it's not here. It's not in this book. <laughs> I think this book is, is garbage. We've gone <laughs> over that. I think Gail offers like no credible proof here. I think it's lame that she's sort of like, she's not arguing that he's alive. Like she hedges her bets, right? She makes it clear, I'm not advocating that Elvis is alive. I'm just asking questions based on this trove of evidence that I've gathered and that's fallen (laughs) into my lap. So it's like, not only is your proof crappy, but you're not even like willing to take a stand one way or another. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's bad. Like Orion didn't take off. Her book Orion didn't, didn't do what she wanted to do. Yeah. And so this is her attempt to get back in print. Yeah, and it was successful. The last page of this book is an ad for the forthcoming reprint of Orion yeah. from the same publisher. Yeah. So I don't think she believes what she's writing here. I don't think she's trying very hard. 
I think she's yeah. seeing an opportunity and exploiting it. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a bad read, but you know, it's just another American seeing a fissure and working their way in there and yeah. making a couple bucks, getting on TV, yeah, making a little side career. And Lord behold, that about covers it. Uh, before we go, let's note that for next week, we'll be reading If I Can Dream by Elvis's hairstylist slash confidant, Larry Geller. I did actually glance through it, and it's got pictures of cloud formations, so I, I feel that bodes well. I'm That's pretty excited. exciting. So all of you out there in Listenerland, do grab a copy and join us, won't you? We'd like to make special mention of our cousin podcast, Suspicious Minds, with Wade and Burrow. They're good friends of ours and are doing fine work in the name of Elvis, so head on over and give them an ear, won't you? If you'd like to get in touch with I and Pat, see, I stole that from Gail. Oh, nice. Pat, pretty clever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can email at elvisbookclub at gmail.com or give us a call. We have set it up with some filters so you'll sound just as shitty as on the Elvis tape. Uh, or just do us a favor and just stand next to your AC unit. Uh, leave a message if you are so inclined at 312 380 1114. We may use that call on a future podcast, so, you know, dare to dream. And having said that, we now part, and we do so in the manner of all Elvis fans the world over, by saying a few simple words. You know, Pat, there was a guy who said one time, he said, uh, you never stood in that man's shoes. Or saw things through his eyes. Or stood and watched with helpless hands. While the heart inside you dies. So help your brother along the way. No matter where he starts. For the same God that made you, made him too. These men with broken hearts. Good night. And God bless. Everybody is gone away.